Hey there, future fans! This week, we're going to dust off the old videos, and we're going to play the old songs, because we're about to squad up. This is the week of August 6th, 2021, and you are listening to episode 211 of Future Flicks with Billiam. Hello and welcome to the show. It is that time again. Your ears have not fooled you. I am back uh, two weeks in a row. No breaks. Yay for me. And we have news and trailers and movies as always. So in case you're new, let me tell you what it is I do on this show. What I do is very simple-ish. I discuss movies. First, we talk about any new movie news that has caught my eye since the last episode. And then we talk about any new movie trailers I've caught my eye since the last episode. In any of those cases, if I miss anything, if I miss a trailer you think I should have talked about, please let me know. After that, we talk about all of the movies coming out during the week that is coming out to theaters and streaming. I break them up into two categories. The first is limited release movies. Those are any movies that aren't getting a nationwide release or coming to a common streaming service. And also did nothing to catch my eye because I don't get any insider information. I base all of my judges only on the trailer because let's face it, trailers are how these companies need to sell movies to us. And if they can't do that, then I guess their movies aren't going to be seen. The next segment is the wide releases and interesting indies. That's every nationwide release and all of the indie movies and all of the indie movies that caught my eye. I then give it. I then give you a pick of the week in which I say, hey, if you see any movie in the theater this week, this is what you should see in my oh so humble opinion. And then I send you along your way to listen to the other great podcasts you may enjoy. But thank you, as always, for listening to mine. Well, my friends, since you know how it works now, let us jump into the first segment, which, as always, is the news. This just in from Hollywood. The news. Let's start off with some very, very disappointing news. I know you all will be just devastated, and I am sorry that I can't be there to hold your hand through this. So let me tell you what the Hollywood Reporter said today. And um, actually, they said it on July 30th. But let me tell you what they said. Are you ready? Okay. Clifford the Big Red Dog has been pulled from its September release date amid Delta variant concerns. I know. I know. I I can't believe it either. I My heart just hurts. My, I, I ache for this. And I just want to let you know that the former release date of September 17th is no longer a thing. And there has been no new release date announced yet. But see, the problem, in, in my opinion with pushing back movies like this is that people start to not care anymore because it's not like it's going to be a big Marvel or Star Wars or or just general Disney venture or the next big summer blockbuster like the Fast and Furious movies or even the new Ghostbusters one coming out. See, it's not like those where people will stay stoked because they really need to see it. A movie like this, even if you are interested maybe by the time it finally comes out, you don't care anymore. Or maybe you just don't need to see it, and you're like, okay, it'll come to some streaming service eventually. It is a Paramount movie, maybe it'll come to Paramount+. Plus. Will Paramount do this to any other movies, and will any other studios follow suit? Only time will tell. All right, my friends, good news, bad news time. This from Slash Film. A new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie will be written by Colin and Casey Jost. Colin Jost is a head writer over at Saturday Night Live. His brother Casey Jost is on the show Impractical Jokers. I'm really not sure what kind of nerds they are. I know they're obviously nerds, 
But remember, comedy nerds are a thing, so that could mean that they don't know much about the turtles, but I do trust them enough to do their research. But here's where the downside comes in. Anything about the... While we don't know any plot details, we do know that this is the same group of turtles from the 2014 remake and the sequel Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows. The first of Michael Bay's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were off, was awful. It was a bad film. Number two, the only good thing, the only good thing was the Turtles and Bebop and Rocksteady. Bebop and Rocksteady, they got right. The, tur the Turtles are fun. They don't look like the Turtles we know, but they, they act like it. It's just the rest of the movie just doesn't come together to support it. That and Michael Bay is just gigantic garbage. And you know what? I like Megan Fox. I, I like her. But I think her April O'Neil just felt like an afterthought. It had nothing to do with her skill and everything to do with the writing. So hopefully getting these two writers on board might change that. And hopefully Michael Bay won't have his hands in it. So that may, may be a good thing. Uh, this movie is so new that I don't even see anything on IMDb about it. The only thing I see is a new animated movie that's being aimed for 2023. Unless they're changing an animated movie into... Uh, the sequel to Out of the Shadows, but only time will tell. Ladies and gentlemen, this next story is just fun. It's a fun article from Slash Film, and it's regarding the upcoming Disney Plus TV show, What If? Animated TV show that's going to be a lot like the comics. If you remember the comics, they ask the question, oh, what if this happened? And then it tells that story. What if this other thing happened? And it tells a story. We know that What If... The fact that this series is coming out at this time means it's the direct result of what happened in both WandaVision and Loki. Anyway, regarding that show, the head writer, or one of the writers, I'm not sure if uh, she's a head writer, A.C. Bradley spoke with Kachuko Pure, and apparently while writing some episodes, she came across plots that she didn't even know were in development. Like, she said, hey, let's do the Jane Foster as Thor. They said no. She said, no, I think this is very necessary because we need to show strong female heroes and more of them. To which they said, no, we're actually doing this. And apparently they didn't say what the story was, thank God. But she said that another one of her ideas that she came up with was most of the plot, or at least half of the plot, they said, to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So we will find out what that mystery episode is. Eventually, when that movie comes out. My friends, this next story comes to us from Giant Freaking Robot. We know that Winston Duke is going to be one of the actors who have portrayed Batman through voice. Winston Duke, who you would know from movies like Us or Black Panther, is going to voice Batman and Bruce Wayne, because they're the same person, spoiler alert, in an upcoming podcast titled Batman Unburied. This is going to be a single story told over one season of the podcast. Winston Duke will voice Bruce Wayne, and it will deal with the psychological thriller genre. The tale was penned by the Dark Knight screenwriter David S. Goyer. Apparently, this will have Bruce Wayne having a 9-to-5 job as a pathologist, a forensic pathologist, in Gotham Hospital. And apparently, he's trying to track down a serial killer called the Harvester. My feature friends, this next story comes to us from Cinema Blend. You may remember a few weeks back, I mentioned Stephen Dorff's comments about Black Widow, and I made fun of him because he just seems like a gigantic asshole. And who the f cares about Stephen Dorff these days anyway? Well, apparently he's trying to walk back his comments now after a lot of backlash because uh, maybe lots of people realize that Stephen Dorff could go fuck himself. This next story comes to us from Variety, which you've actually probably heard already by now. Bob Odenkirk has been hospitalized after collapsing on the set of Better Call Saul. Apparently, this is the sixth and final season of the show, and he was rushed to the hospital after collapsing on the set. Uh, he is currently okay and recovering. Other stories, including one from ABC7 Southwest Florida. Why did that come up first? Really, Google? Come on, dude. Well, anyway, it says Better Call Saul star Bob Odenkirk on the mend after a, quote, small heart attack. My future friends, this story comes from Hype Beast. If you liked the show or the animated show Invincible, guess what? It is getting a live action adaptation. This reported by Robert Kirkman himself, who said that it is getting a 
live action adaptation, but it's very currently at early stage of development, so he can't reveal too many details about it. He does go on to say, though, that this is another one of those things that's a little early going, but I will say that there are massive efforts going in to make sure that the film experience is unique and separate from the animated series while also being true to Invincible. He then teased, I couldn't be more excited about the stuff that we're doing, but I can't tell you yet. My future friends, if you heard about the Michael B. Jordan Superman series where he will be playing Superman, uh, this is a show in development by HBO Max, and it's going to be involving Val Zod, the second black Superman. And apparently it's being met with mixed reviews and not just mixed reviews between people and racists, mixed reviews from everyone. Some people saying, hey, this is great, more representation, seeing this iconically, this iconic icon, historically white, portrayed as a black guy is a great thing. Other people going, hey, why can't we just create more superheroes of color? Why do we need basically to be given these white characters to turn black? And you've heard me talk about this before, and I'm not nearly as convinced I have the answer for this as I once was. Uh, I have, I think I've matured quite a bit in the last few years. And if you listen to the show for a while and you stuck with me, thank you for that. But uh, you may have noticed the same thing too, he says humbly. But it's really hard because they both have points. They both really do. The people who like it do have a point that we are getting more representation. And that's one of the bottom lines here. But the people on the other side have a point too. Just like with producer Barbara Broccoli, I've mentioned many times talking about making James Bond a woman, saying, no, we shouldn't do that. We should make more badass women characters. The same thing can be applied to this. Should we turn white characters black or Mexican or Asian or India or anything else? Should we make white characters ethnic for diversity or should we just create more characters? But here's the thing. You could go and create a whole rainbow color of diversity superhero group. None of them will be as famous as Superman. None of them will be as famous as Batman, as the X-Men, as all these other groups. Uh, this story comes to us from the Atlanta Black Star. My future friends, this second to last story regards the Green Knight, which I raved about last week. And I hopefully I'm seeing it tomorrow. I'm recording this on Monday. Hopefully I'm seeing it Tuesday. If I do, I'll tell you about it later in the show. Apparently David Laurie, the director, said he added 60 visual effects shots and re-edited the film during the pandemic days. But here's a question. Is that going to be a good thing? Just because we have this, there's this whole idea that maybe you could work it to death. You know, you could tinker with it so much that you just f*** it up and now it's it just lost it. Because I'm listening to David Chang's uh, memoir, uh, fa uh, famous uh, chef David Chang, who said that in his restaurant, he has this idea that, hey, if you come in with an idea, we will do it for tonight's dinner service. You have until 530 to put it together because we're going to put it on the menu as is. You have to do it because he, he believes this amazing stress and time crunch is great for creativity because you have to make a decision. This is my decision. We don't have time to go back. But also... What if you had more time to fine-tune it? That's that's another wonderful question to ask. And my future friends, in a final story, something a little, maybe a little lighthearted, I guess, uh, is Dave Batista's joke regarding Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow lawsuit and how much fire he's coming under for it. Because if you don't remember, I'm not sure if I talked about it last week. I think I did. But Scarlett Johansson is suing Marvel and Disney over lost money, basically, because of it being released on VOD in Disney Premiere Access as well, which doesn't count as theater money. So that wasn't in her contract. And a simultaneous streaming release wasn't in her contract. So she's like, hey, you owe me money. You're purposefully f***ing me out of money. Even, even if we're in a pandemic, you're doing this and I should be compensated. And she's coming under fire for this too. Some people... Of course, some people do have her back and other people are saying, well, poor rich girl, basically. Or some people shaming her for, for the whole thing going, hey, it's pandemic. They had to pivot. Dave Batista tweeted, told them they should have made a Drax movie, but no. And I guess some people did not like this. Yeah, so a lot of people angry at him for this. And 
just chill out. It was a joke. Just calm down. Just relax, people. I mean, if he was being a bigger dick about it, or somehow belittling Scarlett Johansson, then yeah, okay, be angry about that, because he's being an asshole, but it was just a harmless joke. All right, my future friends, let's take our first break as we hear a word from our good, good friends at the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast, and we'll be right back with the Trove. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. All right, my friends, we're back with everyone's favorite segment, The Trailer Trove. Avast, and welcome to The Trailer Trove. So we're going to start with a movie called The Card Counter, which got a trailer this week. And and I'm really not sure how to feel about this. Uh, as always, play along at home. Watch the trailer. You know, I've never actually said this before, have I? But play along at home. Watch the trailer and then listen to what I have to say about it and then tell me what you think. But the premise is as follows. Redemption is the long game in Paul Schrader's The Card Counter. Told with Schrader's trademark cinematic intensity, the revenge thriller sets the story of an ex-military interrogator turned gambler haunted by the ghosts of his past. This stars Oscar Isaac as said gambler, Willem Dafoe, Tiffany Haddish, and Ty Sheridan. Pretty good cast there. And so it's not a comedy, so those of you who may not like Tiffany Haddish could give this a shot, because guess what? It's not a comedy, and you probably don't like her for her comedy. So this is written and directed by Paul Schrader and brought to us by Martin Scorsese. Paul Schrader was the writer for Raging Bull, Taxi Driver, First Reformed. Uh, He'd been around a while. This has Martin Scorsese listed as an executive producer, but of course we know that that doesn't necessarily mean that Martin Scorsese worked on it. He could have funded it and you can get an executive producer credit. And I wish it was easier to tell sometimes. I really wish it was just because it is that easy. Like, oh, well, we fund the movie, get an EP credit. Or did you actually produce it? Did you actually work on the film more than funding it? Which don't get me wrong, big deal. Funding is a big part of movies. Well, that's just food for thought. My problem with it is I can't quite tell what the story is. And that's a weird thing to say, seeing as I read the synopsis to you. But the trailer feels broken. It feels like they're trying to do a little too much. So it feels like there are two things going on. We have this card counter who gets approached by Tiffany Haddish, who basically funds the card counting. She says, I'll fund you. I'll take a cut. Uh, I have, like, apparently she's someone who does this, uh, like, funds people who find ways of cheating. Even though Card County is not technically cheating, blah, blah, blah. And then we have the story of Oscar Isaac, who has a vendetta against Willem Dafoe, because when they're in the military, Dafoe made them do something f***ed up, which got Oscar Isaac thrown in jail. Ty Sheridan was part of it, I guess. And they're trying to get revenge. But it feels like two separate movies in the trailer. And this could be a case of a bad trailer. Very easy. Could be a bad trailer. Or it could be a choppy movie and only one way to tell is to watch it when it eventually comes out and that release date is going to be september 10th this year next up we have the trailer for king richard and no this has nothing to do with long dead kings this has everything to do with venus and serena williams dad richard williams this stars will smith john bernthal dylan mcdermott and as the williams sisters sania sydney and Demi Singleton. So we have a very, very interesting movie here, in my opinion, because A, biopic. Some people hate them right off the bat. Doesn't matter who it's about. Some people just hate biopics. But we have a familiar story turned up on its head that has the benefit of being a true story. Did they take some liberties for drama? Probably. Is this a one-to-one ratio of what really happened? No, probably not. But we have this familiar story of a father, of a sports father, who pushes his kids. Pushes, pushes, pushes. We've seen stories like this before. 
And we're used to movies where that father is the bad guy because, oh, it's about his career or his dreams that he never got to fulfill, pushing on his kids. But in this movie, we see a different and unfortunately more realistic side about that, where he has a line in the trailer about why he's pushing them so hard. He says, look, I push them all so hard, not just Venus and Serena, but the other other daughters in the family too, push them so hard to keep them off the street because they grew up in Compton. And Compton, not a notoriously friendly place. It even has a very notorious reputation. And so then instead of this general idea we have of this overbearing sports parent you know the people you see at little league games taking it way too seriously just a bunch of karens and you know i actually don't know what the male version of a karen is so i'll just call them karens too so we have this idea of this overbearing sports parent and not saying that king richard or richard williams isn't but there's a very good reason because he's probably grown up seeing what happens to young black children in the neighborhood and he's like no i'm not gonna let that happen to my family and even though we know venus and serena williams don't know the rest it is hinted at that the others have their thing too that some of the others are really smart he says we have a future doctor we have future other things here but of course we're here to watch the story of venus and serena and apparently this film has come under fire a little bit for casting will smith because i guess the real the real richard williams is darker skin than Will Smith is. And I kind of view that criticism in the same way I view the criticism of Lin-Manuel Miranda not including Afro-Latinos in his movie In the Heights, where, yes, these people who criticize it may have a point, they definitely do, but also at the same time, shouldn't we be celebrating, uh, celebrating the diversity? Shouldn't we be celebrating that too? Once again, not an easy question to answer. King Richard coming out in theaters and on HBO Max November 19th. Well, it's time to talk about it, my friends. It's time to talk about the House of Gucci, or just House of Gucci, actually, not the House of Gucci. This film spanning three decades of love, betrayal, decadence, revenge, and ultimately murder. We see what a name means, what it's worth, and how far a family will go for control. This is a biopic, kind of, even though it's more about leading up to the murder and the relationship of Maurizio Gucci and Patrizia Reggiani, I think is how you say it. But this is a stacked cast. We have Adam Driver as the main Gucci dude. We have Lady Gaga as his wife. We have Al Pacino, Salma Hayek, Jared Leto, Jeremy Irons, in a movie directed by Ridley Scott. That is dope. That is such a good setup. And if you watch the trailer, Jared Leto is unrecognizable. I would never have guessed that was him. You could point at that guy and go, hey, that's the lead singer to 30 Seconds from Mars. And I would say, F you, no, it's not. We have two biopics in a row in the trailer trove, and I am excited for both of them. I think this looks really good. So we have Ridley Scott directing this all-star cast in a biopic crime thriller that is amazing that's all i need to see and if you think about it lady gaga and jared leto are very similar musicians who are amazing at acting as well of course with lady gaga i think she's just really smart at picking her roles because i'm not sure if she could have as wide a range as other actors but what she picks works and really what more do you need House of Gucci is set to come out this November. Let's get an exact date. November 24th. This is released by MGM or produced by MGM. So who knows if it's going to go to streaming as well. Probably eventually, but theaters first. Okay. Uh, so how I do the trailer trove is as week goes on, I check YouTube every day and I throw any new trailers into a playlist. And as I'm recording the trove, I'll watch one react, watch another react, so on and so forth. So basically, I just watched the trailer for Lamb, and much to my disappointment, this is not a movie based on the Christopher Moore book of the same name. No, this is... I don't know what the f*** it actually was. Uh, let's talk about the cast really quick. Uh, the main person that we'll know, I believe, is Numi Rapace, who you would know from Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Sherlock Holmes... Sherlock Holmes, Game of Shadows, Prometheus, 
you know, movies like that. Uh, Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan. Whatever happened to, or what happened to Monday. And the rest of the cast look, looks like a bunch of Icelandic actors, which is good because this takes place in Iceland. Numi Rapace seems to be the odd one out as she's Swedish, but we love her. She's a great actress, so uh, let's go with it. But le- let's not go with the rest of this shit. So this is brought to us by A24. Good old trusted A24, who does some fantastic movies. Uh, even though they're, like I say many times, their movie Lighthouse, one of my most hated films of last year. Did I see it or this year? I can't remember. I, I, just, I hated it so much. And this movie looks... I don't know what the f***. So we just see what looks like a day in the life of this Icelandic couple living on a farm. Uh, They don't have a child. It's just the two of them. And then one day they're at a lambing, which is when a lamb is born. Lambing. Wonderful name for that. And she, for some reason, takes the baby lamb into the house and starts to put it, like, puts it in crib, bottle feeds it. Not too weird, right? I mean, it's not really the normal thing to do, but it's not like you need to call the cops on this person because she's fucking Looney Tunes. But then you start to notice in the trailer that it looks like this lamb has the body of a human, a fucking human body with hands and feet and all that good shit, bipedal upright, uh, all that, all that stuff, but a lamb head. And it gets weird. And I... I don't know if this is either going to be one of those hidden gems or or if it's going to be so f***ing weird that it's one of those indie films that gives other independent films bad names. The ones that try to be so weird and artsy that it just misses the mark. Uh, check out the trailer. It it I don't know. Anyway, let's talk about something I do know about, and that is the next trailer for Venom. Let there be carnage. This one we get to see a lot of Carnage. We get to see more of Woody Harrelson as Cletus Cassidy. We get to see more of Tom Hardy as Eddie Brock slash Venom. Michelle Williams is back in the trailer. We know that Naomi Harris is playing Shriek, who canonically is the love interest of Carnage. Finally seeing Carnage on the big screen is really cool, but I'm still just really disappointed that they didn't make this a maximum carnage story, that Spider-Man's not part of this, because you could still make it a Venom movie. You could still make it very Venom forward and just have Spider-Man in it because he's a necessary part of these stories. That's how Venom gets his thing. That's how that's how Venom gets his look is through Peter Parker. Moves from Peter Parker to Eddie Brock, then Becomes a huge bad guy, eventually an anti-hero, then spawns Carnage. The first of quite a few spawns of Venom that become terrifying nightmares. And I just don't, I just don't know why. I I still have never watched Venom. I own it. I f***ing own the movie. It's right down there on my shelf. But every time I sit down to watch it, I'm just like, uh, maybe I'll watch some Supernatural instead. Maybe Guy Fieri has a new show, episode of one of his shows out that I can watch. Maybe... I will just sit there and contemplate life instead of watching this film. And people I trust like it. People I trust like Venom. I just don't know why I can't just sit down and watch the f***ing film. And this trailer looks good. It looks good. Even if the CG we're seeing in the trailer is Endgame CG, not Endgame as in Marvel, but Endgame as in the final CG, It's not bad. It's not great, but it's not bad. So at the very least, it's good. And I don't know, maybe maybe I'll see it. It feels so weird that a big comic book movie is coming out, and I'm I'm not all boners to the wall about it. Did I just make up that saying? Someone had to say that before me, right? It just doesn't make any sense. But anyway, uh, Venom Let There Be Carnage does have a release date. Oh, it's also directed by Andy Serkis. I forgot to mention that. It has a release date of September 24th this year. We do have another trailer for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, but I'm not going to talk about it a lot, just because by this point, you know if you want to see it. You really do. It's It looks good. It looks so good. And all of these trailers are just showing more of the movie that could be a surprise. Uh, it does have a lot of repeated scenes, so it's not the end of the world if you end up watching it. I don't think there's, I don't think it's going to spoil anything. Even though I don't know a lot about Shang Chi, which I should, because my my love of all things Asian, I, I just I, I I just think that there's nothing big spoiler wise in it. But still, 
maybe just wait. If you're already stoked for the movie, maybe just wait. Don't watch this new trailer. Shang-Chi comes out September 3rd. And before we get into the final trailer, I do want to say there are a couple trailers that I think this episode is going to go a little long, so I skipped over them. We have Queen Pins, uh, true crime-ish movie with uh, Kristen Bell, Vince Vaughn, about these women who start printing fake coupons. Uh, Buckley's Chance, a Bill Nye movie about some family moving to Australia to be closer to their grandpa or something. There's some stuff I skipped. And with that, my future friends, let us take our next break as we hear a word from our good, good friends at the Watch Your Mouth podcast. Stay tuned. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high-dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever internetting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall filthy f***ing language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, what the f*** did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that, f***ing jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at wympodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Just a quick note, if that last segment, if the end of the trailer trove sounded a little weird, if it if it ended abruptly or seemed cut weird, uh, there's a good reason for that. I recently decided, after some going back and forth, I decided to do a special episode. So instead of episode 212 being next week's release episode it'll be a special episode with me talking about the ghostbusters trailer and then reviewing the green knight so any weirdness in that in that last segment that's why and stay tuned for the ghostbusters trailer discussion and the green knight review coming out soon but for now let us jump into the limited release section let's start with a confusing one called 645 the reason 645 is confusing is because one of the websites i use to find out what movies are coming out, said this is a wide release, and another one said it's a limited release. I'm going to trust the one that says it's a limited release because I don't see how this can be a nationwide release. This is about what if one of the best days of your life suddenly turned into your very worst nightmare, and what if you were forced to relive that same day again and again. This stars Thomas G. Waits from The Thing. And uh, everyone else in it, nothing, uh, they, they did nothing of note. Uh, the main two actors, nothing of note. Uh, it doesn't look bad. It just looks like an a, a, a take on the repeating day idea that didn't just quite pan out. Basically, this couple's on vacation and the area of town they're in is like deserted or something. And they go to this bed and breakfast, which has no one in it except for the owner. And I think the day resets after his, his fiance dies and then it resets again. It just looks weird. Let's talk about the next film, Even in Dreams. This movie stars Sam, an aspiring musician that just lost her older sister, Amber. During the difficult grieving process, Sam finds comfort in singing and songwriting, fulfilling the dreams that Amber would now never be able to pursue. Along with Amber's band, Sam moves to Nashville to pursue Amber's dream of making a career in the music industry, and upon arrival, they sign with a music manager who, yeah, it's still going, I know, who immediately provides them with success, but at a price. As the taste of fame draws near, tensions begin to rise within the band. Will the industry tear them apart and change them forever? Even in Dreams is an inspiring, feel-good, musically-driven family film. And I feel like whoever wrote that premise is trying way too hard to sell the film. This stars no one of note. And even though I'm not, I don't think they mentioned God in the trailer, just, this just feels like one of those mega church movies that would star Kirk Cameron that could be 100% skippable. Let's talk about the next limited release called Notorious Nick. Nick Newell, a one-armed MMA fighter, gets a rare chance to fight for the lightweight championship. He strives to win for himself and all the other people in the world with physical challenges. This stars Cody Christian from Teen Wolf, the TV show, Elizabeth Rom from Angel, Kevin Pollack from The Usual Suspects, and Barry Livingston from Argo. Look, if you're one of those bros that are super into M- MMA, maybe check this out. Uh, it is based on a true story, but other than that, skip it. Let's talk about the Macaluso sisters. Maria, Pinuccia, Leah, Katia, and Antonella are five sisters who live in an apartment in Palmer... 
Palermo. That was way too hard for me to say. It took like four takes, five takes for me to say Palermo. When Antonia accidentally dies, the sisters' relationships are turned upside down for the rest of their lives. This is a movie from Italy. Next up is a film called John and the Hole. This is a coming-of-age psychological thriller that plays out the unsettling reality of a kid who holds his family captive in a hole in the ground. Yeah, weird, right? This stars Charlie Shotwell from All the Money in the World, Michael C. Hall from Dexter, Jennifer Ale from Zero Dark Thirty, and Tysa Farmiga from The Final Girls. I just find movies about kids to be uneffective and uninteresting when I want to punch them in the face the whole time. And I think it's the skill of Charlie Shotwell because he was in All the Money in the World. He was in The Glass Castle and Captain Fantastic. And I did not want to punch him in all of those films. And just watching this trailer, I just wanted to hit him in the face. Oh, he was in Troop Zero and he was really good in that. But just watching this trailer, I'm like, I just want to hit this kid. Side note, this is a joke. Please don't hit your kids. Next up, we have a movie called Whirly Bird. Set in 80s and 90s Los Angeles, a couple revolutionized breaking news with their brazen helicopter reporting. Called from the duo's video archive is an L.A. story of a family in turbulence hovering over a city unhinged. Now, this is a documentary. And even if you don't know who these people are, I, I forgot their names and I'm too lazy to look it up again. But <laughs> even if you don't know who they are, you know their footage because they were the ones that shot the footage of the O.J. Simpson chase. Next up, we have a film called Playing God. A pair of con artists recruit their longtime mentor to play God in order to scam a grieving billionaire. This stars Hannah Kasulka from The Exorcist TV Show, Luke Benward from Dumplin', Alan Tiddick from A Knight's Tale, and Michael McKean from Clue. I almost put this in the wide release as an interesting indie section. It, it, it kind of looks interesting, if only because of Alan Tudyk and Michael McKean. Those are the only two who interested me in the trailer. The other two, Hannah Kasulka and Luke Benward, uh, I had no interest in. Next up, we have a film called Infinitum, Subject Unknown. <laughs> Such a stupid title. A mind-bending slice of British science fiction with cameos from Sir Ian McKellen and Conleth Hill. I don't know who that is. Oh, that's right. He's from Game of Thrones or something. Jane, played by Tori Butler Hart, is, tra is trapped in a parallel universe and is forced to find a way to alter her reality before it's too late. And like I said, this features cameos from Sir Ian McKellen and Conleth Hill. That's it. It, it looked boring. I, I know I make this joke a lot. I, I do realize how often I use this, but it it's also because it's true that 100% Sir Ian McKellen did this because it was probably a really quick day or two of shooting for him and some easy money. I doubt he'd read the script for this and went, yes, this is the next movie I d I'll do. I love this idea. He probably went, yeah, I have a week free. I can do this. How much are you going to pay me? Yeah, f yeah, I can do that. Make more for this little film than most people make in a year. Yeah, fine. I'll do it. And I don't blame them. I do not blame actors for doing that. I do not blame a famous actor for taking a small role in a looking movie for the money. Like Michael Caine in Jaws 4. He said he hated the film, but he loved the house it bought. I understand. I get it. If someone would come up to me and go, hey, do you want to do a small role in an awful movie? It'll be panned. No one will like it. And we'll hand you a bunch of money. I will say, fuck yeah. I will get a tattoo of that movie on my back if you give me that much money. Next up, we have a film called The Last Matinee. It's a soaking wet day with rain pouring down and one of the best things to do is go seek refuge in a great old cinema. There's just one problem. A murderer is on the loose and he also has taken refuge there. This is a movie from Uruguay and stars no one of note. Honestly, it's an interesting idea. I, I do like this idea a lot, and I am interested in seeing a movie from Uruguay, but eh, nah. Next up, we have a film called She Ball, or She Ball. Did you notice a, a way in my pronunciation, or was that just in my head? I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, she Ball follows the love of the game through the struggles of Avery Watts who enlists the baddest women's streetball league in the city to help him save the embattled Inglewood Community Center, which he manages, all while trying to raise his seven-year-old daughter. 
This stars Nick Cannon from Drumline, Cedric the Entertainer from Barbershop, Rebecca DeMornay from Risky Business, and domestic abuser Chris Brown. And I, I would have given this movie a second thought. I would have at least considered it, but Chris Brown can go f*** himself. Uh, that man is just garbage. And it makes me really sad that he's in the film Takers because I liked the film Takers and now I can't watch it. All right, my friends, one final film in the limited section, and this is called What We Left Unfinished. And it's a very long premise. And I even cut it down a bit. So What We Left Unfinished tells the story of five unfinished fiction feature films from the communist era in Afghanistan, 1978 to 1991, and the people who went to crazy lengths to make them. In a time when films were weaponized, filmmakers became targets, and the dreams of constantly shifting political regimes merged with the stories told on screen. This tight-knit group of Afghan filmmakers loved cinema enough to risk their lives for art. Despite government interference, censorship boards, scarce resources, armed opposition, and near-constant threats of arrest or even death, they made films that were subversive and, in the filmmaker's opinion, always true to life. This talks about five films, The April Revolution, Downfall, The Black Diamond, Wrong Way, and Agent. These films completed principal photography before being canceled by the state or abandoned by the filmmakers. God, you know what? F*** it. I'm, I am just going to put this in the wide releases in interesting indies because this is very interesting. This is a very interesting idea because we have a country that's not known for its films. That's not even known for its films now, let alone in the late 70s, early 90s. That is insane. And the fact that they're making these films, even though they're being threatened, and this is different from those stupid-ass McCarthy trials, where like, oh, everyone's a communist. Like, they could have been actually killed instead of just blacklisted by Hollywood. And so these people who love art, who love what they were doing, were trying their best to make films with nothing. And I, I am so interested in watching as much of these films as I can. Have I ever watched a film from Afghanistan? No, I have not. But this documentary is really, really interesting. Uh, so yes, this is the first official film of the wide releases in Interesting Indies because goddammit, I changed my mind. And What We Left Unfinished gets a 7.5 out of 11. All right, my friends, let us actually just take our break because we only have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, oh, maybe. Ooh. No, let's do it anyway. <clears throat> All right, my friends, let's take a break. We have seven films in the wide releases and interesting indies, and a couple of them I'm not going to talk a lot about. So let's take our break now, and then we'll come right back with the rest of the wide releases and interesting indies. Please stay tuned. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're, We're Doing, Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies? Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're, we're doing, doing fine. fine. All right, we're back. We are back from a word from our good friends, Robbie and Lisa, at, the, at We're Doing Fine with Robbie and Lisa. And let's start with a film called Annette. This is coming to a limited theatrical release this week and being released on Amazon Prime on the 20th. So I'm just going to talk briefly about it now and mention it again on the 20th. But this is about a stand-up comedian and his opera singer wife who have a two-year-old daughter with a surprising gift. And if you watch the trailer, you would wonder what the f*** these people are talking about who wrote this uh, synopsis. Uh, this stars Adam Driver, Marion Cotillard, and Simon Helberg. Uh, this is one of those movies that looks like it's purposefully trying to be an indie film with sarcastic air quotes, if you know what I mean. And normally, I hate those type of films, but this has something going for it. It's free on Prime in two weeks. It has Adam Driver, Marion Cotillard, and Simon Helberg. And even though I absolutely hate Big Bang, I think it did terrible things for nerd culture, Simon Helberg and... Uh, Quite a lot of them, actually, are, is, are talented at what they do. Simon Helberg is a talented actor. So once again, I'll talk more about this on the 20th. 
But let's talk about Pray Away coming to Netflix this week. We're actually on the third. So I am recording this part of the show on the fourth. So it is already out. Uh, This is about former leaders of the Pray the Gay Away movement contend with the aftermath unleashed by their actions while a survivor seeks healing and acceptance from more than a decade of trauma. Like I said, this is a Netflix original documentary. When someone says something is powerful, when powerful is used as a word to describe films, a lot of the time, I think it's just hyperbole. I think they're like, oh, this this film was powerful. The the acting of of John Johnson moved me. Uh, it moved me to tears and, you know, whatever. Some sort of bullshit you would hear from some critic. But I think this is powerful for a different reason. I think it's powerful because we have people who are part of this Pray the Gay Away movement who were gay, were gay, are gay, or are bi, or are transgendered, who are something other than heteronormative, and believed, maybe not deep down, but at least superficially believed, that they could pray it away, that there's something wrong with them, that Jesus won't love them unless they, unless they change their ways. People who only now realize that, oh, that, we, we hurt people by doing this. We hurt ourselves by doing this. This is wrong. So it's about them talking about what they did, and it's about them looking at the modern movement. I just don't get it. I, I, I just don't understand how someone can call themselves a Christian and believe in the Bible and believe that God loves, uh, that God loves us, that we're all sinners no matter what, and God loves all sinners, but believe that bullshit. It, it blows my mind. I believe those people are Christian in name only because you do not deserve to be called a Christian. And I feel so bad for the people who were part of this movement who were gay or lesbian or bi or like whatever they were. Because how do you live with yourself knowing that you're part of this movement and try, and try to bring other people into it? It just blows my mind. But let's get this... Let's get this terrible taste out of our mouth and talk about a movie that I think looks f***ing hilarious. So let's go from traumatic to hilarious with Swan Song. This is a limited release this week, getting a VOD release, not a major streaming, but just a regular VOD release the week of the 13th. I'll only talk about this this movie this week. Unless I forget. We'll see, right? But a formerly flamboyant hairdresser takes a long walk across a small town to style a dead woman's hair. And I love that. I just love that premise so much. This stars Udo Kier from The Painted Bird. Jennifer Coolidge, one of my favorite people of all time from A Mighty Wind. And if you're in the know, she's from the show Joey. Linda Evans from Dynasty. And Michael Urie from Ugly Betty. Uh, I... I loved this trailer so much. I, I loved it so much because we had this guy, this old dude who is living in this nursing home or something or a, a rest home or some sort of a home for older people. And you could tell he was once some sort of big shot. But then you in the trailer, you find out he's only really a big shot in his small town. And one of his old friends dies, like, quote unquote friends. I think they kind of hated each other, but they also respected each other. And they were also friends, you know, that kind of friendship. And she dies, and it's in her will that he do her hair for the funeral. And he'll get paid handsomely for it. And so he walks across town. And it's about everyone he meets along the way, people who remember him, people who've never seen him before, and him becoming more and more his old self as he travels. And I I want to see this. I really do. But like so many movies I talk about on this show, um, I don't want to watch it enough to, like, go out and seek it. I will watch it if it ever comes to streaming or if I ever see it just for sale somewhere cheap, like the local place Rasputin or hell, maybe Amazon deal today. We'll see. Let's talk about the next film called Naked Singularity. This is a limited release coming out the 6th and VOD on the 13th. This is about an idealistic young New York public defender burned out by the system on the brink of disbarment and seeing signs of the universe collapsing all around him as he decides to rob a multi-million dollar drug deal of one of his clients. This stars John Boyega from Attack the Block, Olivia Cook from Me, Earl and the Dying Girl, Bill Skarsgård from It, Ed Skrein from Deadpool, Tim Blake Nelson from Oh Brother, Where Art Thou?, 
and Kyle Mooney from Saturday Night Live. First of all, that cast. That cast is great. John Boyega. I love John Boyega. Tim Blake Nelson. Come on. Olivia Cook in a role where she's not supposed to be fat or ugly or disabled somehow. Good for her for breaking out of that mold. This is one of those movies you hear about and then you forget about it. And years later, you stumble on it and you're like, oh, yeah, I did hear about that somewhere. And you watch it and you're like, you know what? That was not bad. But I don't feel like I missed out by uh, waiting so long. I I do think it looks interesting. I do think John Boyega. I I don't think Star Wars was good for him. I liked him in Star Wars. Uh, I liked the new movies uh, because I'm not a huge Star Wars fan. Because remember, Star Wars fans hate Star Wars. So I'm just enough of a Star Wars fan to like this film. I think he's yet to show us what he can do. And I agree, Finn and Poe are the relationship that we deserve. Jesus, I have not been giving scores to anything, have I? What is wrong with me? I'll be honest, when I got home from work today, I was like, I don't want to work on the show. I'm tired. I don't want to do this. But I was like, you know what? I should. I should. So I think it's it, my my head just isn't in the right space. So let's let's go back. Start with Annette. Um, you know, f- it. I'll think on that one more. Give you a score on the 20th. Uh, Pray Away looks really good, but also super sad and disturbing. So I'm going to give it a 6.5 out of 11. I'm sorry. Let me do it proper. <clears throat> Pray Away. It's a 6.5 out of 11. And Swan Song, hilarious. Not worth seeking out, though. So Swan Song gets a 7 out of 11. And finally, we're caught up with Naked Singularity. A lot of potential for this one. So Naked Singularity gets a 7.5 out of 11. All right, folks, three movies left. Let's talk about Vivo coming to Netflix this week. Vivo follows a one-of-a-kind Kinkaju, a.k.a. A, ra- a rainforest honey bear, who spends his days playing music to the crowds in a lively square with his beloved owner, Andreas. Though they may not speak the same language, Vivo and Andreas are the perfect duo through their common love of music. But when tragedy strikes, shortly after Andreas receives a letter from the famous Marta Sandoval, inviting her old partner to her farewell concert with the hope of reconnecting as up to Vivo to deliver a message that Andreas never could. A love letter to Marta written long ago in the form of a song. Yet in order to get to Marta, who lives a world apart, Vivo will need the help of Gabi, an energetic tween who bounces to the beat of her own offbeat drum to fulfill his owner's wishes. God, what is it that with this week with super long premises? Anyway, this is an animated movie featuring the voices of Lin-Manuel Miranda, Zoe Saldana, Michael Rooker, Brian Tyree Henry, Nicole Byer, and Gloria Stefan. And if we don't hear Gloria Stefan singing, who I I assume is Marta, I'm going to be angry because Gloria Stefan is a true world treasure. Look, friends, this is exactly what I talk about each time a Netflix original movie comes out, especially ones that look good. It's Netflix. You have it already. And even if you don't pay for it yourself, you're piggybacking on someone else's. You have access to Netflix somehow. So it will be free free for you to watch. Just watch it. It looks good. It's a new animated musical. And I I think that all the signs are pointing this to be worth our time. And what is it going to cost you besides a little bit of your time? And while I know time is precious, also, when it comes to media, when it comes to things like this, you got to take risks sometime. I mean, if I could, I'd go back and tell my young self, no, don't watch the Avatar movie or uh, The Last Airbender. And no, don't watch The Lighthouse because you don't want to see semen dripping on Robert Pattinson. I never wanted to see that. That was never on my bucket list. But I had to take a chance. What if it was great? Vivo, I think, is a very safe bet. At the very least... Vivo is going to be, oh, it was okay. That's 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 the very least, I think. Vivo gets a 7 out of 11. All right, two movies left, my friends. Let's talk about the last one that's not the pick of the week, but it came very close. And that movie is called Val. This is a documentary centering on the daily life of actor Val Kilmer, featuring never-before-seen footage spanning 40 years. So this documentary does feature Val Kilmer, of course, but the narration is provided by his son, Jack Kilmer. This is coming to Amazon Prime this week, and it 
I, I don't know. I, I really want to see this, but I think I'm going to cry like a big old baby. I think I'm going to weep openly, which for me is not that big of a stretch. It can happen. I cried during the Ghostbusters trailer, which you will learn when that when that episode comes out soon. I get emotional. If I ever played sports, I could blame it on head trauma, but I can't. Val looks like it's going to be really good because we're going to get never-before-seen, behind-the-scenes footage from a, from a lot of Val Kilmer's movies. And we're going to get his perspective on things, and that's going to help us appreciate more this actor who now has to talk by pressing into his throat and so one of those vibrating things can help him talk because of his throat cancer. Though I do have one question. If you look at Val Kilmer's IMDb page, it does show movies still coming out that he's working on. Like, uh, it's announced that he's going to be playing Mark Twain in a film called Mark Twain and Mary Barker Eddy. Uh, he has one film in pre-production, currently filming Canyon de Muerto, uh, and he's completed Top Gun Maverick, where he's playing Iceman. Uh, I am very happy to see him acting again, but my question is, is he going to be voiced over? Because this trailer shows him with a little thing around his neck, and he is pressing it to make himself talk. And I don't, I don't know how this is going to happen. But just look at '90s Val Kilmer, uh, late '80s, early '90s Val Kilmer, Top Gun, real genius. Let's move on to Willow, The Doors, True Romance, Tombstone, f-ing Tombstone, Doc Holiday. I think is his best role. Batman Forever, it's so fun. It's stupid, but it's fun. Heat, oh my god, Heat, the island of Dr. Moreau, the ghost in the darkness, the saint. Come on. Those are amazing, amazing movies. He is a national treasure. So I think this movie is going to be very interesting for seeing the behind the scenes footage. And it's going to be heartbreaking but also uplifting, seeing him still going. Yes, he went through this. Yeah, Yes, he had throat cancer, and he fought it, and he survived. And But yes, he has to talk with one of those box things now, but he's still going. Heartbreaking, but uplifting, and very interesting. I think Val is going to be, if you watch only one documentary all year, I think this should be it. Val gets a nine out of 11. All right, it's time for the pick of the week. And unlike last week, or a couple weeks ago, whenever it was, this one is actually predictable. Yes, my pick of the week is The Suicide Squad. Supervillains Harley Quinn, Bloodsport, Peacemaker, and a collection of nutty cons at Belle Reve Prison join the super-secret, super-shady Task Force X as they are dropped off at the remote, enemy-infused island of Corto Maltese. This stars Margot Robbie from I, Tanya. Idris Elba from Beasts of No Nation, John Cena from Bumblebee, Joel Kinnaman from The Killing, Jai Courtney from A Good Day to Die Hard, Peter Capaldi from Doctor Who, David Dastmalchen from The MacGyver Reboot, Daniela Melchior from Nothing of Note. Uh, By the way, this is me going over everyone as they're listed on the poster. So that's why I mentioned her, even though she's not from Anything of Note. Continuing on with Michael Rooker from... Continuing on with Michael Rooker from Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer, Alice Braga from Elysium, Pete Davidson from The King of Staten Island, Nathan Fillion from Firefly, Sean Gunn from Gilmore Girls, Flula Borg from Pitch Perfect 2, Mei Ling Ng from Wonder Woman, Sylvester Stallone from Over the Top, yeah, Over the Top, right? And the amazing and always wonderful Viola Davis from Fences. So this is a fun cast. It really is a fun cast. It's huge. It's a huge cast, but also we have some great crossovers. We have Michael Rooker and Nathan Fillion from Slither. Uh, In Marvel, we have Marvel people in this. Idris Elba, Michael Rooker, Sean Gunn, and Sylvester Stallone. And then Stallone and Rooker crossed over in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Uh, I bet there's a lot more that I haven't even touched on, but we have a lot of great crossovers here. And how many of these people have been on Saturday Night Live with Pete Davidson? Uh, This is a really good cast, and it's fun just putting them together like that. Like, oh, you can connect them in this way. So, my friends, uh, you know, I think 
Rotten Tomatoes is a bag of distended anuses. You know, I hate the whole idea. And a lot of these critics are just hateful, spiteful pieces of crap. But the important thing to note is once in a while, they get it right. And this movie had an impressive, had an impressive 99% Tomatometer score. Uh, recently, it dropped to 96, but that's still amazing. That's still one of the highest scores for a comic book movie. And not only that, but real people with souls are actually seeing this movie too and loving it. And a really good sign is just how fun this looks. So written and directed by James Gunn, it feels like DC actually gave him control. It feels like they actually let him do his thing instead of super controlling him and destroying the film like they did with, I don't know, the other Suicide Squad movie, which the only thing that saved that film was the actors who were great in it. It's just a shame that Will Smith couldn't return for this one, but they did try to get him, but he had too many conflicts. But just remember the fact that Polka Dot Man is in this. Polka Dot Man is in this only because James Gunn, I forgot exactly what he Googled, but he looked up dumbest supervillain or dumbest power or something like that. And Polka Dot Man came up. And you know what? John Cena has been impressing me lately. And this cast, it looks so good. It, it just looks so, so good. And Sylvester Stallone voicing King Shark. And I know they changed the uh, the look of King Shark. I don't I don't care that much. I, I really don't. But you know what? I'm I'm excited. I am. I am disappointed that the trailer spoiled who the one of the big supervillains was, but I still I still want to see this so much. I want to see it so so bad. Even from the first trailer, I was excited. Margot Robbie is Harley Quinn. They're like, if eventually they replace her or they do another version of Harley Quinn and they cast someone else, I bet you that person will be fine, whatever. But Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. That is great. John Cena as Peacemaker and getting his own show. That's great too. Doing Ratcatcher. Doing Ratcatcher was so weird, but in fact, doing Ratcatcher two, two or three, I think it's two, uh, whoever the woman was, that's dope too. Like this, this whole thing is such a good idea because it's so over the top and so improbable that DC would let something so fun and enjoyable happen that they wouldn't micromanage it to death impresses me to no end. And I think the only reason they did that was because it was James Gunn and because they saw what he did with the Guardians of the Galaxy series. They saw that whatever he touches turns to gold, except for movie 43. <laughs> But of course, he was just a writer there. But everything else he touches turns to gold. Let's look at what things he's directed. Super, Slither. Wow, he actually hasn't done that much, has he? But what he does do is good. I think that The Suicide Squad is going to be one of the best comic book movies of the year. And I think what it's going to do is show that DC is not dead. And hopefully what it will do is show DC that they need to let their creative people be creative that they need to hire people and trust them to do their goddamn job and not f with it, not coming in and f***ing with things and killing it. We should never have needed a Snyder Cut. That should never have been even needed because the version of the film that came out should have been his version of it. It should have been his vision. We should never have needed this. But no, they went in and they f***ed it. And so we needed this. We have people calling for other cuts of other DC things because now it makes us wonder how good other DC movies could have been if they kept their god hands out of it. And it looks like, at least with this one, even if they didn't fully learn their lesson, they at least trusted James Gunn enough. And I think that's a good sign. So hopefully this movie will explode. Hopefully this movie will explode and it will show DC the error of their past ways. Does this mean they're going to restore the Snyderverse? No, I don't think they are. I think that is long gone. But hopefully it will show them moving forward how to un themselves. The Suicide Squad looks good. It looks really good. The Suicide Squad gets a 10 out of 11. All right, my future friends, that is it for this episode. Remember, I will see you again before next week. Or at the very least, let me admit, 
at the at the very least, you'll get two episodes next week. So either I will see you before next Friday, or you'll get two episodes next week. One of the two. Either way, my friends, as always, thank you for listening. Uh, the my my future friends, you are you are fewer than you once were, but I do appreciate all those who stuck around. I, I appreciate it so much. I appreciate the fact that you you listen to me at all. I appreciate anyone who gives me a shot. I get it. I'm not for everyone. Thank you for at least trying. And and I will always be thankful for this show. So let me send you along your way with a closing housekeeping. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website. That is somewhatnerdy.com. I would really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please. And also, share the podcast. Share with your friends. That is how we grow here on the show. And then how do you reach me? That is a great question. You can leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. You can leave a comment on SoundCloud. You can hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at BilliamSWN. You can email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. And please consider supporting the show on Patreon. You can find a link in the show notes and also on the Somewhat Nerdy site. Be sure to check out the other shows in the network, Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle. Don't forget to support the friends of the show. You've heard their ads tonight. Please check out my personal blog, BilliamTheNerd.com. And then finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future friends, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future. <laughs>